Welcome to Tribes Podcast. Thank you for making this message a part of your week. If you're ever in Jackson Hole, we would love for you to visit our tribe family. We meet on Sundays at 5.30 at the Snow King Conference Center. And if you'd like to know more about us, you can find us online or on Facebook by searching tribejh.com. If you have your Bibles with you tonight, would you open to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 7. I never get tired of this joke, but let's take a look at chapter 7. <laughs> oh, if you don't know this about us yet, you know that we love to celebrate around here, right? We like to, we like to celebrate. Any and every excuse to celebrate around here, we take advantage of it all the time. Uh, today is Sunday. We're here at Tribe. You either live or you're visiting Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Jesus is on the throne. Selah almost won state. <laughs> yeah, I, we were in Casper earlier this weekend, and uh, Selah's club team uh, uh, went to uh, they went to state club soccer, and uh, they ended up getting second, which, which is which is great. What? Uh, yeah, yeah, they they got second, so uh, better luck next year. They lost to Rock Springs, which uh, I'm gonna not make any personal comments about. Who they played, but I better I better shift gears real fast. I'm gonna go downhill before I even get started. Oh man, okay. Uh, Luke chapter seven. Luke chapter seven. Oh yeah, one other thing to celebrate. Jason Chatham is here tonight. And here's something, here's something that you need to know, Jason. I don't even know, probably not that many people know who you are in here, but that's just how we roll. We just like to get really excited uh, about things. And here's what we say. Here's one of our core values at Tribes is we take our faith, but not ourselves seriously. Is that all right? Because like six days a week, seven days a week, you're always having to take yourself serious. You got to take yourself serious with your family. You got to take yourself serious in your job. You got to take yourself serious with your friends. Like, like you always have to be, you're always on, right? But I want this to be a place where you can take your faith seriously. Like we are serious about loving God. We are serious about advancing in our journey with Jesus. But that doesn't mean that we have to take ourselves so seriously. And part of our culture here at Tribe is we just love to take any and every excuse to celebrate. And uh, you guys always do such a great job at that. Luke chapter 7. And I'm going to start reading in verse 36. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and share with you the title of tonight's message. The title of tonight's message is this. The risk of releasing your affections. This is from Luke chapter 7. The risk of releasing your affections. I'm going to read this story to you. It says in verse 36, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard that he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar with expensive perfume. She knelt behind him at his feet weeping. Her tears fell on his feet as she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Everybody say sinner. sinner. 
Now say it like church lady says it from SNL, sinner. Yeah, that's exactly how this prophet was, I mean, how Simon, this Pharisee, was probably talking. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. You can't even have a wrong thought around Jesus before he gets up in your grill. He's so committed to loving you and growing you to that maturity that he's even going to get up in your mental grill. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Does, I don't know, how does Simon, how does he feel in that moment? Does his blood run cold? Does he think like, all right, this is my moment. I get to like talk to the teacher. Does he like start shaking? And I don't know, I don't know. We don't have that emotion here in the text. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces of silver to the other. But neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right. Again, we don't have the emotion. Did, did Simon like oh, wipe his brow? Like, you know, when you were in class and the teacher called on you and you just happened to get the right answer? Like, was that was that, that moment for Simon? Jesus said, then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off of my feet, but she washed them with her tears and wiped them with their hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected me the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, Her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown much love. But a person who has been forgiven shows only a little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And then Jesus said to the woman, your faith, the Greek word there is sozo, has saved you. Your this Greek word for saved is sozo. It's your faith has made you whole, complete, not lacking anything. Go in peace. This week, I was uh, going for a run down on the South Park feed grounds. And I had been, you know, it's been raining a lot this week. And I got a little sunny weather window. So I, I went out for a run and and it was just so beautiful. The Snake River was overflowing its banks. And, you know, everything was really green. And there's so much green grass. And you could hear the songbirds. And I was just running along. And I kind of had one of those, like, moments where, like, it just seems like everything comes together. You know, all the stress and all the worries and all the busyness of life just somehow just kind of, like, broke off and fell away. And it was just me and my like running, running along. I could hear my feet running on the trail. I could feel the, the wet grass, you know, going across my shins. And, and you ever have just those moments where you're able to like get away from the busyness of life, even for just a moment to be like, wow, how awesome is this? I was just in, in love with like, how many of you have ever been hiking or walk your dog down South Park feed grounds? Like down south of Melody, right? It's so beautiful down there, isn't it? And I just had this moment and, and I was enjoying creation. And then I was like, man, 
The God that made all of this. He made all the grass, the river. He made the trees. He made, like, he made all the people like, not be within sight. And he put me here in this time. And I just started to like, turn the affections of my heart from creation to the creator. And I just started to, to, to pour out of my heart, like, Lord, thank you so much. And I was thankful for my family and I was thankful for the place that I live and thankful for the relationship that I have with him. And I was just pouring out my heart to him and, and talking to him. And Lord, thank you. I love you so much. I mean, it probably sounded more like, Lord, thank you so much. But I just, the affections of my heart, just, it felt like there was like a little stopper of the affections of my heart, and it, the stopper came out, and then just this, this perfume of love for him began to pour out of my heart and out of my mouth to him. And I was like, Lord, how cool is this? And then he said to me, this is my desire for all of my people. My desire for all of my people is that they would release the affections of their heart towards me. And then he said, I'm worthy of it. I enjoy it. And that's what I made them for. I'm worthy of the affections of their heart. I enjoy it when they pour out the affections of their heart towards me. And what was the third thing? (laughs) I made you for worship. That's not in my notes. But this is what the Lord said, I made you. I made you. I put my love on the inside of you. And there's not going to be ever anything ever that I ask from you that I don't first supply you with. And then he just reminded me of this story in Luke chapter 7. And I want us to, to notice just a few things about this story tonight. First of all, have you ever wondered about why this woman comes to this dinner gathering in in that moment. Like, why does this woman choose that moment to, like, interrupt the dinner party, go to the table where Jesus is sitting, and then then go, go about, like, we can read what she does in the text, how she's weeping and crying. She's really causing a scene, and she's disrupting the whole dinner party, right? She's crying at the feet of Jesus. The tears coming from her eyes, falling on his feet. She's wiping his feet with her hair. And then it says that she has a beautiful alabaster jar of perfume that she begins to pour on his feet and kiss and kiss and kiss his feet and weep and weep. Why would this woman do this? We, we see no other place in any, anywhere in the Gospels of Jesus previously meeting this woman. We don't know what kind of, of connection that they had. And why is it that, that this woman would, would come and do such a, I mean, an extravagant demonstration at the feet of Jesus? Well, I'd like to suggest to you something for you to consider. That Jesus was sympathetic to the treatment of women, especially what the Bible calls sinful woman. Now, why does Jesus have a a soft spot, a soft spot in his heart for, for women in general, considering the the society that they lived in and for, for that kind of woman as well? Well, 
How many of you will remember who Jesus came from? His mom. Now let's think about his mom. We can read this story in all of the Gospels that Mary, his mom, was what? A virgin when she gave birth to Jesus. She had never known a man. So can you even begin to imagine the amount of stories and rumors that were circulating around Mary, that not only did Mary have to endure, but that also Jesus growing up, the reputation that his mom had. How many times did his mom have to tell you a story? I'm telling you the truth. It wasn't Joseph and it wasn't the guy like down the street. It was an angel. Who in the world would believe that? Consider the reputation that Mary must have had in some circles as Jesus was growing up. Mary was misunderstood. She was probably judged and looked down upon. And Jesus grew up seeing his mom treated that way all the time. I think that Jesus had a really special place in his heart, not only for women, which we see throughout scripture, that he treated them in a revolutionary way compared to the, the way that most men treated women in that society in that day and age. Not only was his treatment of women in general revolutionary, but also specifically the way he treated women who felt like maybe they were damaged goods, that maybe they didn't measure up. Women that felt like, even if it was just in their own mind and heart, that they carried some sort of mark against them. That's why, this woman, that's why this woman went to Jesus. Somehow, some way, she knew that Jesus wasn't going to judge her, that Jesus wasn't going to, to treat her the way that all these other men had. But he was going to receive her. And we even see this later when Simon says, so Jesus tells the parable, parable, right? Y'all know what a parable is? It's a little story with a big meaning. A parable is a little story with a big meaning. Jesus tells this parable, and then he says something really interesting to Simon. He says, Simon, he goes, look at her. And when you look at that word in the Greek, when it says, look at her, that doesn't mean like, hey, look at her. I'm talking to you. He says this, I want you to regard her. I want you to consider her. I want you to, he, Jesus forced Simon to not only see her and to look at her, but to recognize her as a person. And that in itself was revolutionary. If you know anything about the, the day and age in which Jesus was walking planet Earth and when this story was unfolding, women were treated as, as hardly even as people. They couldn't have a job. They couldn't own property. They, if they went out in public, they had to be covered or veiled. Men wouldn't even consider like talking to a woman. And especially if you were a Pharisee, there was a whole nother level of, of, of distance and remoteness put between men in general in society and a woman. And here comes this woman. Can you... Can you imagine the risk that she took to come into that dinner party and for the display of affection that she poured out on the feet of Jesus 
wiping his feet with her hair as she cried and cried and cried. And then here's what Jesus says. I want you to look at her, Simon. Did you know that the Pharisees, like part of their deal was they, they couldn't, they, they would never make eye contact with a woman. They wouldn't even like be seen. They wouldn't, they wouldn't talk to, they wouldn't, they wouldn't acknowledge the presence of a woman unless it was their wife. And especially a woman who had a reputation like, like this woman did. If they were in the marketplace or something like that, uh, a, a Pharisee would literally, like if he bumped into, this, he, he, he wouldn't look at her, he wouldn't acknowledge her, he would pretend as if she wasn't even there. And look what Jesus does. He says, uh-uh, I'm not letting you get away with that. Simon, look at her. Consider not only just the fact that she's here kneeling at, at, at my feet, but I want you to recognize her as a person. And he forced Simon to validate her, her humanity. This evening during worship, I, I, the Lord kind of messed up my notes because I had all this stuff written uh, that I wanted to go through uh, about this story, but, but the Lord just whispered to my heart during worship that uh, I, I want, here's what I wanted to do, and then I'll tell you what the Lord wanted to do, and we'll just stick with, we'll go with the Lord's plan tonight. Okay, okay good, good idea? All right, we'll do that. So I wanted to talk to you about the difference between the, the, the man and, and the woman and, and, and Simon and, and this woman, but then and try to talk about kind of two different groups of, of people when it comes to releasing the affections of their heart towards the Lord. But during worship tonight, the Lord said, both of those people exist within each human heart. Both of those people, both Simon the Pharisee and the woman kneeling at Jesus' feet exist within the heart of each person. And I was like... Okay, I have to un- help, uh, unpack this for me. And here's what, here's what the Lord whispered to my heart. He said that so many times when it, when it comes to us approaching a relationship with God, it's really easy for us to do it by the book. It's really easy for us to do it by the numbers. We say, Lord, we welcome you in this place. Lord, I welcome you in my heart. Lord, I, I love you in the same way that Simon the Pharisee invited Jesus over to his house for dinner. Now, it wasn't the woman that invited him over. It was Simon that invited him over. Simon invited Jesus over to his house for dinner. And what did Jesus do? He's like, all right, I'm coming. And then it says that he reclined at the table, meaning he kicked his shoes off and he was there for the whole evening. I'm here. He didn't like, you know, keep his scarf on and wasn't checking his clock like, hey, you got 30 minutes for dinner and then I got to get on to the next thing. I got a big healing crusade to lead like right outside of town. He like took his jacket off. He was there for the whole night. He was there. I'm here, Simon. But what did the Pharisee do? It was the very presence of the Lord that was here. But it was Simon who had an attitude of judgment in his heart towards the very things that God wanted to do in him that night. 
How many times do Christians, all right, well, we'll get real personal. How many times do you, how many times do I engage in an interaction with the Lord? And I'm just so stuck on the rules. Like, especially when it comes to, to, to church, it's so easy to fall into this pattern in this routine, right? You come in, you do some glad handing, you know, you, have, you know, sing some songs, you sit down, you listen to an amazing life transforming message. And then, you know, you throw some nickels in the bucket and then you, you get up and you, and you go home. And then you wonder, days or weeks or even years later after doing this, like, how come I'm still tripped up on the same stuff that I was years ago? How come I still have these same hurts and pains? Why is it that I'm not really growing in my relationship with the Lord? Why, isn't that, why is it that I'm still falling in that same area of sin over and over and over again? And you just kind of get stuck in a rut and you think, well, maybe I just need to, you know, give more high fives at church. Maybe I just need to try to follow. That's what, that's Simon. That's the attitude of Simon, the Pharisee. Wait, you're not, this is how you're supposed to do it. You're supposed to ignore women. You're not supposed to do these little demonstrations. It was the woman who is also resides within each and every human heart that has made Jesus the leader of their life. Did you know that that, that, that the, the attitude of that woman exists within the heart of each and every believer? The Bible says in Romans chapter, did I put it in my notes? Uh, let me see if I can find it. Romans chapter 7. Uh, let's go there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he's good. This is the Lord. Romans chapter 7, verse 22. Paul is talking and he says this, I love God's law with all of my heart. But there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. So listen, you've got the Pharisee and the woman that loved Jesus with reckless abandon. Within your heart, there's a Pharisee. And within your heart, there is a woman who loves Jesus with passionate, reckless abandon. Paul is saying, in my heart, I delight in God's law. My inside, who I truly am loves God, is in love with him. When you invite Jesus into your heart and you make him the leader of your life, the Bible says that you get a brand new heart and and God's spirit takes up residence within you. Who you most truly are is in love with Jesus. You delight in his presence. You enjoy spending time with him. You love his word. You love singing songs about him. You love serving him with all of your heart. Sometimes that message, though, gets disconnected between your heart and your face. And you got R-C-F, resting church face. That was not in my notes either. I had to think carefully about that. Verse 45 Look at, uh, look what Jesus says. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I came in, she's not stopped kissing my feet. Did you know that, now, now follow me, I need, I'm gonna be a little bit poetic with my language. Did you know that Jesus loves your kisses of affection towards him? Your kisses may have been spurned and rejected by others, but Jesus loves 
your kisses of affection towards him. Anytime you turn your attention towards him, anytime, I don't care what you've done. Look at this woman. You know, the Bible says that, that when, you look, when you look at this in, in the Greek, uh, a certain immoral wo- woman, uh, we extrapolate that, that she was a harlot or a prostitute, and she very well might have been, giving her heart and her body to, to so many different loves. Oh, this love has burned me. I'm going to give it to this, to this thing. Maybe it will love me and fill that place. Oh, I got burned by that. Now I'm going to give it here. I'm going to give it here. I'm going to give my body. I'm going to give my heart away. But when you look at that word in the Greek, it just says sinner. And that qualifies all of us to be that woman. But what does Jesus do? He doesn't recoil. He loves her kisses. And in fact, she even tells Simon, like, Simon, you withheld the customary greeting from me. I didn't, I didn't even get a kiss from you, Simon. And a kiss, like, in those days was, was like, is like how we shake hands with, with one another today. You know, hey man, I'm kind of glad that we don't live in the Middle East, you know, like on the side and she's like, huh? I'm good with handshakes. This is America. We shake hands. Get your face away from me. All right, all right. Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon. Chapter one, you can write this down and come back and visit it later. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, let's do a worship sandwich tonight where we got some worship, a little bit of word and some more worship. Is that all right with y'all? Okay, Song of Solomon, chapter one. Listen to, to this, verse one through four. The young woman is speaking and she says, kiss me and kiss me again for your love is sweeter than wine. How pleasing is your fragrance. Your name is like the spreading fragrance of scented oils. No wonder all the young women love you. Take me with you. Come, let us run. The king has brought me into his bedroom. There's so much beautiful poetic language in that passage, those four verses. But a couple of things. The kisses of his mouth are his word. If you ever want to see how Jesus feels about you, when we want to express affection, in our culture, we smooch. Well, how does Jesus express his affection towards me? Well, one of those ways is in his word. If you want to read and discover the emotions of Jesus, it's contained within his word. Not only his actions that we can read about what he's done, but also his feelings and emotions towards us. And the book of Song of Solomon is a great place to dig out his emotions, how he feels about you. Did you know that, that if we went to a Jewish synagogue, even today, when the reading of the Torah comes out, like the, the scroll that comes out, it comes out and all the people stand up and the, the, the Torah comes around kind of as a parade and, and the rabbi is holding it. What do the people do? Do you know what the people do? They reach out and they kiss it. Imagine like sending the iPad around and you're like, but the, but the word of God 
is so treasured to them. And this is the Old Testament. Like, they don't even know about Jesus yet. It is so treasured and so precious to them that, that they reach out to kiss it. Or maybe if they wear a prayer shawl, they'll take the, the tassel, the tzitzit, and they'll, they'll touch the Torah and then kiss it that way. But there's something about the, the human heart that when you, by a volitional act of your will, choose to release the cork of the affections of your heart and pour them out to Jesus, something wonderful and amazing happens. The room, your life is filled, becomes filled with the fragrance of Jesus. That Greek word, your faith has saved you. That Greek word saved is sozo, wholeness, begins to be released in your life. And Jesus says, go in peace. Continue going about your life with the peace that surpasses all understanding.